That music means your next hour is going to be about connection. Welcome to This Show is All About You, a show dedicated to discussing and experiencing the things we all have in common. When you and me become we and explore what it means for all of us. Here's your host, historian, writer, social commentator, and a whole lot of other things, J.D.K. Winnikin. Hello again, everyone. Welcome to another episode of This Show is All About You. Thank you so much for taking the next hour to spend this time with me as we uh, have some conversations that go uh, beyond the everyday and dig deep into the things that connect all of us. And uh, very excited to be back uh, with you this week. Uh, Last week, I was out with my first bout uh, with COVID, and I'm happy to say that I am very much on the mend and... uh, Actually went pretty well overall. Uh, I don't recommend it though, so <laughs> be uh, be taking care of yourselves out there. Uh, so I'm excited to be back this week uh, because I'm bringing back my guest from two weeks ago, uh, Tanya Zaika, to talk more about Ukraine uh, for the second part of this conversation. Tanya is doing a lot of volunteer work to help out refugees inside Ukraine. And so we're going to get back to that conversation uh, that we picked up from last time. If you missed that episode, you can uh, find it as a podcast wherever you get your podcasts. It's the most recent episode, episode number 80. So you should be able to find that rather easily. Uh, But we are going to be talking about Ukraine today. So in uh, this week's version of what in the world is going on, there is simply one thing to talk about. So let's jump into that right away. For over five months, people in southern Ukraine have lived under Russian occupation. Russian forces seized most of the Kherson region within days. In the beginning, people there resisted, protesting, confronting Russian troops, waving Ukrainian flags. But Russia clamped down. I know that uh, people are taken away from homes and hidden somewhere. People are being disappeared. Yeah, yeah. Some people I know, they have their relatives taken away. Russia sealed Kherson off, blocking Ukrainian TV channels and cutting phone connections. And of course, uh, that is the subject for today and a subject that uh, is very important for me, as listeners of this show know, to keep at on uh, the forefront of people's attention. The ongoing war in Ukraine now entering its sixth month and uh, far beyond what uh, Vladimir Putin uh, expected. And uh, if you've been paying attention to media coverage lately, you know that uh, not only is uh, the war grinding on, but more and more the Ukrainian military is finding its footing, in part thanks to uh, an influx of a lot of uh, weapons from the West, from the United States in particular, but also from Germany and countries in Eastern Europe, all countries that know what it was like once upon a time to be under the thumb of Russia and aren't interested in being that way again. That's part of it. Certainly, uh, the amount of diplomatic and political support that Ukraine continues to receive is, is also helping. Uh, but of course, it is all coming down to those people on the ground who are doing the fighting and who are helping out those who are doing the fighting. And uh, I know my guest today will have a lot of, uh, lot of thoughts on that. Uh, at the same time, uh, grain shipments have begun again uh, from the Black Sea uh, ports of Odessa and elsewhere, thanks to a deal that uh, Russia and Ukraine struck. But of course, the day after that, which was last time we were here, a uh, day after that, Russia attacked Odessa <laughs> in violation of that agreement. So while ships are now leaving uh, full of grain heading to uh, the Middle East and Africa where that food is direly needed, 
Uh, it remains to be seen how stable that arrangement is going to be. Uh, and it will be entirely dependent upon uh, what Russia decides to do or not do in all that. At the same time, uh, Russia continues its policy of forcibly removing people from the occupied areas. They occupy about 20% of the country, forcibly removing them and sending them uh, into Russia, where many of them just simply disappear without a trace. There's also an active effort to uh, destroy uh, Ukrainian agriculture, not only in the occupied areas, but also in the areas that Russia can hit with rockets. And it is yet another uh, series of reasons why continuing to keep Ukraine uh, and Ukraine's fight at the forefront of our attention, despite all the other things that are competing for it uh, these days, is so important. And it certainly is connected to a lot of other things that are going on in the world. Uh, but in particular, the need uh, in Ukraine uh, from everyday people continues to be uh, paramount in a lot of people's attention. And so with that, I'm just going to stop the review of the news right there because I want to make sure that uh, Tanya and I have more time to discuss all the efforts that uh, that she has been involved in as part of the Ukrainian Association of Washington State. Uh, but she's also really well connected to a lot of other organizations and individuals who are helping uh, with relief efforts in Ukraine. So let's just get right back to this. Tanya, welcome back. Really good to see you again. Thank you for having me back. Absolutely. And so I know last time we were, uh, I could tell we were rushing about two-thirds of the way through the show, and I just said to you, how about you just come back so we don't have to pack everything in? So let's just let's just pick up where we left off. And, uh, you know, just what are your thoughts, first of all, from as a Ukrainian over the last couple of weeks since we last spoke about what's going on there now currently? What's standing out to you? Um, in the last couple of weeks, um, you mentioned the grain um, exports uh, started to flow, and when I left the last um, recording, uh, the, as you mentioned, the very next day, Russia bombs our ports, mm -hmm. grain exporting ports. Mm -hmm. I don't remember who said it. Uh, there's a quote that goes, uh, agreements with Russia are not worth the paper they're written on. Ah. So, and that was just a, um, a proof of that. Yeah. Um, They've earned that reputation of late. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, another big event that was just very, very terrible day. Uh, you probably um, heard of uh, prisoners of war that mm -hmm. were, uh, were killed. Yeah, were murdered in a bombing. Yes. Yeah, they blew yes. up a bomb in a barracks, so something like that. The, their official version, Russian official version, is that we bombed our own yeah. prisoner of wars. Um, and most of those um, prisoners of war were um, fighters from Azov. Right. And Azov fighters to us are our national heroes. Mm -hmm. And um, the idea of us killing our national heroes is um, only Russians can come up with that. Right. Um, so, and according to um, analysis from photos that are available, it doesn't even look like an experiment explosion because the Russian official version it was an explosion mm -hmm. because um, bodies are not scattered and uh, I'm not an expert on uh, bombings or mm -hmm. analysis but there's certain characteristics that come with an explosion mm -hmm. and it was it was not it looked like um, somebody was covering up um, uh, torture 
yeah. and everything that they were going through, which is not um, according to Geneva's convention of right. how you treat uh, prisoners of war. Yeah, yeah, you're talking about um, satellite imagery that the yes. United States and Britain have pulled of that site, and they also noted that several days before the supposed explosion, uh, the Russians were digging mass graves on the outside of the camp as as if anticipating that they were going to be using them. Uh, uh, yeah, I mean, and again, it comes back to uh, Russia has simply not uh, been found to be dependable when it comes to what they're saying about the yes. war. And it's been that way since the very beginning uh, and even before then. And I've spent a lot of time on the show uh, debunking the crazy stories and the crazy justifications that uh, Russia has put forward for why they're doing this in the first place. Mm-hmm. So, so with that in mind, certainly um, it has to be tough every day waking up wondering what's the next thing you're going to read. Exactly. I wake up and I look through the news. Mm-hmm. There's two things. I wake up and I look whether my friends in Ukraine slept through the night. Mm-hmm. Well, actually, when they sleep through the night, it's my, my daytime. So, mm-hmm. um, But um, I always scan the news uh, first thing in the morning. Right now, as of the last, maybe last 10 days, so when I mentioned the prisoners of war being killed in the very same day, uh, when that happened, um, there was a viral video of a, a Russian soldier uh, cutting off body parts. Yes. And um, I did not watch that video. Uh, it's very graphic and very, very disturbing. So um, that was a Friday, July 29th. I remember because it was the day before the march that mm-hmm. Ukrainian Association put That's together right. to, to declare um, Russia as a terrorist state. That's right. And that was here in Seattle. Um, and how did that march go? It was amazing. So um, it was my first march. Um, I did not attend the previous marches at the beginning of the war. I was out of town. So this was my first march. I did not know what to expect. Mm-hmm. And um, it, a lot of people came together. Um, I don't know, a few hundred, mm-hmm. few hundred people came together. And the um, city of Seattle allowed us to walk in the middle of the street, I don't. I think it was Fourth Avenue. Oh yeah, it's one Main of Boulevard. The, yeah. Yes, main main streets, and um, we walked from the city hall, Seattle City Hall, all the way to Space Needle, and Whoa. it was very emotional and very uh, very good energy because you're surrounded by people who are like minded, mm-hmm. uh, Ukrainians, Russians. Mm-hmm. There were my friend who's Russian, Russian, and she. Um, She's 100% against what Putin is doing. And when you see your friends from all nationalities, mm. American friends, and uh, police was escorting us, it was a very beautiful, peaceful protest. And um, bypassers, uh, people who were down at, in downtown at that time, they were stopping and looking at us and mm. uh, listening to our message. It was a very powerful experience. Right, yeah. right. Sounds like it. Sounds like yes. it. It's part of this larger effort, of course, to have uh, the United States government officially label Russia a state sponsor of terrorism. Correct. Because that designation then requires under U.S. law for a number of different sanctions, a severe kind of, of the type that are being applied, for example, against Iran. Iran, Cuba, North Korea, and Syria, right? And Syria, yeah. yeah. So Russia would be the fifth. Right. This country. Right. And now Congress uh, has has passed a non-binding resolution uh, designating Russia a terrorist state. But the U.S. government hasn't officially taken that position yet, probably for a lot of lot of reasons. Uh, Secretary of State Anthony Blinken has has encouraged caution 
uh, on this. But that is a part of a larger growing conversation, isn't it, about labeling this? There seems to be more support building for it. Um, you're, you're, you're right. You're correct. Uh, so some countries already took that um, resolution yes. and they already officially declared Russia as a, a state um, um, terrorist state. And those countries are um, Estonia, Baltic states, yeah. your, uh, Latvia, Estonia, Litva, maybe Poland. Mm-hmm. I'm not quite sure, but I think Poland mm-hmm. as well. Um, United States um, Secretary of State is thinking about it and taking it with a lot of thought and caution mm-hmm. because it carries a lot of implications. It does. Um, because if you declare a country as a state sponsoring terrorist terrorism or a terrorist state, um, all the trades needs to be stopped, yeah. including... If somebody trades with that country, not us, not United States, yes. but a third country trades right. with that country, that third country will be um, subject to sanctions as well. Yes. So if you have China trading with mm-hmm. Russia, mm-hmm. then we would have to sanction China. Right. And that's that's a huge impact on the economy. So yeah. it's, it's not something to be taken lightly, mm-hmm. but... Um, the reason we want uh, Russia to be declared as a state sponsor in terrorism uh, mm-hmm. because it will uh, apply in a huge, um, at a entirely different level of sanctions Absolutely. that will help bring down the economy and um, uh, so that they cannot fund this war or future wars. Mm-hmm. Well, and certainly what the effort has done with marches like the one you were talking about and then others and those other efforts has turned this into part of the conversation that the Secretary of State is having when it comes to this very complicated set of relationships. And certainly uh, the relationships with China have been a little bit strained as of late. So uh, so in that sense, there's already a lot of success, isn't there? Just the very fact that this is now being discussed yes. by the highest, the biggest policymakers in Washington is quite an accomplishment. Yes. And... Um China, for example, uh, definitely has a lot of trade with Russia, mm-hmm. uh, but compared to the trade it has, it does with United States, Russia is maybe one tenth of yeah. the. Um, yeah, something um, like that. Yes. So yeah. if China is faced with a choice, I think the choice is obvious who mm-hmm. they, who they will support. Well, and that's and then it becomes a question as to what degree is the U.S. government willing to leverage that, mm-hmm. you know, and that's obviously what the Secretary of State is probably trying to figure out. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, we, we kicked off last time when we brought you in. The, the theme of it that emerged was, was really in this big, huge thing that we've just described, right, with global implications and, you know, superpower conflict and all this, that individuals can make a huge difference in what's happening, not just in the sense of helping push forward a new policy idea, but in the everyday relief that you and many others like you are supplying to people in, in Ukraine who need it. And that was the whole point I thought of the best thing to stress. So I'd like to continue with that today. Uh, and certainly participating in marches and things like that is one thing. Uh, but then actually taking steps, whether it's through an organization like the Ukrainian Association of Washington State or through other ones, about what individuals uh, can do. And, I, and if you, for those of you who are listening, if you didn't catch the first episode, you really should go back and listen the first one, because Tanya gives a whole backstory on how she got involved in this and where all this came from for her and having grown up there and then immigrated to the U.S. Uh, this now seems that among you and others like you, 
has become just a functional part of your everyday life. Is that true? It is. Uh, we're very proud to call us ourselves volunteers. And uh, Ukrainian volunteer movement, um, there, there's a, a very famous blogger, a Ukrainian travel blogger, Anton Ptushkin, and he uh, wrote a post that Ukrainian volunteer movement is uh, a history-making event mm. because throughout the world, I want to say larger majority of Ukrainians who live everywhere on this planet, they're doing something. Mm -hmm. And everybody is at their own front. We, I am far from my homeland, but I am doing something for the victory of Ukraine every single day. Mm -hmm. And there's so many people like me who are doing uh, somebody's raising funds. Another person is uh, collecting clothes. Um, even if you repo repost something on Facebook, if you cannot do anything else, but just follow a volunteer who saves animals and mm -hmm. get inspired by, mm -hmm. th by that person. Uh, because when you see other people doing something good, people, simple people like, like me, mm -hmm. um, and when you see those people changing lives of a cat, or horse mm -hmm. or child um, to me that's very inspirational so I follow a lot of volunteers on on social media and um, on bad days I look at them everything they do and it sure inspires me to to keep going absolutely and I think those are the things that people can most identify with something that's concrete I can do this one thing and if there are millions of people like me doing the same thing that actually will take things in a much more positive direction. Yes. That's great. Okay. Well, then let's go ahead and take our first break, right? And when we come back, we're going to pick up right where we left off, talking a little bit about that. I want to talk a little bit about not just what Ukrainians are doing, but also all those who are not Ukrainian. Uh, how are they helping out and what can they do? So we'll be right back uh, with Tanya Zaika on this show is all about you. Stick around. Kids never have trouble dreaming about their future. The challenge is providing them the resources and opportunities to reach them. This is especially true from historically underserved communities. Fortunately, there's an organization that can help those dreams become reality. Airway Science for Kids helps underserved youth develop life and career pathways through exploration of aviation and aerospace. Using in-person and virtual programs, along with partnerships with companies, educational institutions, community health providers, and other resources, Airway Science for Kids helps students not only find their dream careers, but also learn how to better advocate for themselves and connect more effectively with their families, peers, and communities. To find out more, visit airsci.org. That's A-I-R-S-C-I.org. Or email info at airsci.org. Airway Science for Kids. Providing aerospace for all. Welcome back, everyone, to This Show is All About You. I'm your host, J.D.K. Winnikin, here with Tanya Zyka uh, from the Ukrainian Association of Washington State, uh, talking yet again for the second week in a row about uh, her efforts and the efforts of many others like her uh, to bring uh, relief to refugees uh, inside Ukraine uh, during their war against Russia. And uh, you heard there coming out of the break uh, some words from our sponsor, uh, Airway Science for Kids. I want to make sure I thank them for their continued support of this program. 
You can check out uh, what they do at airsci.org, A-I-R-S-C-I.org. And uh, they, like Tanya and organizations like the uh, Ukrainian Association of Washington State, are always looking out to help those uh, who need the resources the most. And so uh, I know they're very uh, excited about uh, what Tanya is here to talk about. So, Tanya, let's just jump right back into this. You mentioned Ukrainians around the world are involved in this relief effort. Do you know offhand how many Ukrainians live outside of Ukraine in the rest of the world? Do you have any idea? I don't. <laughs> I didn't either. I was just wondering if you did. But it's definitely in the millions yes. uh, for sure. Okay. Um, you know, one thing that, that people do mention to me, and somebody, uh, a listener, reached out and asked about this after your first, uh, your first uh, appearance, was to what degree are you getting support from Russians and Belarusians? In all of this, of course, because the, the media, of course, is dominated by from Russia. The dominant narrative is what Putin is doing for understandable reasons and what his soldiers are doing. Belarusia gets the attention for being Putin's ally in the region, at least the, his, the president uh, seems to be. Uh, but you're, you're getting help from from Russians and Belarusians as well. What can you say about that? Um, you, you're correct. Um, my one of my several of my biggest supporters uh, and uh, financial donors are uh, people from Russia, mm. and it's it's so to me it's very very um, special that I have people from Russia who sympathizing with our situation and who attend our events, who give money, um, who reach out and offer their personal help. So. Um, even though it's a war between Russia and Ukraine, and even though um, Russian propaganda does its own does its work very very well, mm-hmm. and a large majority of uh, Russian people living in Russia uh, are supporting this war, um, a lot of people in Russia who know who don't uh, follow official government TV, and they can find other resources for news they understand what's going on and they do not support this war although it's not the majority of the country Mm -hmm. and um with the regime in russia you're not supposed to um they're not even calling this war a war right you're not even allowed to say that it's a war special military operation it's a special military operation yes it still is um so they cannot speak out um about what they truly think uh, but there's definitely uh, opposition to uh, Putin's regime. And in Russia, the opposition is um, behind bars. Mm-hmm. Uh, opposition gets killed, poisoned, and put behind bars. But a lot of opposition uh, left Russia. Mm-hmm. And there is a, a movement here in Seattle. There is a group of Russians who are against Putin. And um, uh, they want to see democratic and free Russia. Mm-hmm. And I, I want to say that uh, there's battalions of Russians who are fighting for Ukraine right. today mm-hmm. and battalions for Belarusians um, who are fighting for Ukraine today. And um, the way they see things is technically they're fighting against their own country, mm-hmm. but the way they... Um, they, the reason they want to come and fight on our side is because fighting for Ukraine means liberating their own country. Correct. Because if Ukraine 
I don't want, I take that back. When Ukraine wins, <laughs> when Ukraine wins, it will crumble Putin's regime. It will. And uh, if Putin's regime crumbles, and most likely Lukashenko's um, Bel- Belarusian regime will yes. fall as well. Yeah. So um, opposition in Russia and Belarus are seeing our fight as their fight as well. Mm-hmm. So um, after our last, um, um, my last visit to your show, I went to a, a, a concert for, uh, uh, a singer from Belarus came to Seattle. She cannot live in Belarus because she's the enemy of the state ah. because she's opposition. So she, I think she lives in the United States, but she was touring uh, towns, uh, cities in the United States. And I went, I was invited to her concert and did a fundraising uh, at the concert. Wow. And I, I raised a little bit of money for, uh, towards my, my mission, my cause. Mm-hmm. So um, I want to say to everyone who is from all the different nationalities, uh, including the Russian opposition and uh, people from Belarus who are fighting on our behalf. Um, I want to uh, say that we're very, very grateful for their efforts. It has to be really helpful on a number of levels. Um, It seems to me, I mean, and just to illustrate this for listeners, we're not just talking about people who are Russian and Belarusian on the outside of the country who are just saying, let's give some money to help with this. They're involved in some very dangerous things for themselves, right, as expatriates speaking out against the government. The Russian government has shown no problem in killing its own citizens, uh, the ones that are the most vocal against Russia. But they're also involved in helping Russians back in Russia, for example, help out inside the country. And that's very, that's really dangerous work. It is very dangerous work. And uh, last time after the show, we talked, you and I, we talked about... um, um, uh, when we talked about filtration camps yes. and uh, Ukrainians being forcefully exported, uh, deported to Russia. Mm-hmm. And once you're deported to Russia, you're stripped of your uh, Ukrainian passport mm-hmm. and you may or may not be issued a Russian passport. And in um, in Russia or Ukraine, passport is kind of your um, ID. Yeah. Uh, here we carry our uh, driver's license. Back home, we carry our passports. So if mm-hmm. you don't have a passport, you can't board a, a train. Right. So um, they're being stripped of their documents, of their papers. And there's an entire movement in Russia by Russians who seek out those people who were forcibly deported to Russia. And they help them find their ba- way home. They, they buy their tickets they connect them with their own people. They put them on trains. Um, they cannot go back to Ukraine directly. So uh, oftentimes they get um, um, trains to Finland or mm. Estonia or Latvia. And from there through Europe, they can make their way back home. Come back around to Western yes. Ukraine and come in yes. back that way. Yes. Wow. And there's an entire organization, um, an entire network of Russians who help Ukrainians find their way back home. Mm. And um, there is a website. I don't have it handy. But if any of your listeners uh, would like to have more information about it uh, and support them financially, um, it takes about $100, $100 to bring one person back home. Okay. And they need they need support as well. Wow. Yeah, that's incredibly dangerous work. <laughs> um, and And work that is going to be anonymous. It, it has to be anonymous. We're talking about the country where if you call this special military operation a war, um, it's 15 years in prison. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so if you are um, helping um, 
Ukrainians find their way back home, it's 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 jail time. Those jail time are worse. Yeah, you know, or worse. Or worse, yeah. Uh, and no one will ever know, of course, right? Because it's on one hand, the people doing it have to be anonymous and have to stay that way. And certainly the Russian government would want to keep that secret if they uncover it. And so uh, to me, that's what's so powerful about uh, what's happening right now there, but also just in the whole history of that whole region. The stories of individual people who resisted first Soviet oppression, Nazi oppression during the war, and are doing so now, history books may or may not know their names, and yet they're still doing these things anyway. It just drives home the point to me that um, if we think that individuals can't make a difference or need to be recognized as such in order for them to act, no one will ever help anybody do anything. I can talk on this subject for another five shows. (laughs) I am surrounded by people who are just there. It looks like they're radiating light and, Mm. and this amazing energy. And most of them started with just them. You don't have to be Elon Musk or you don't have to be Bill Gates to do something wonderful. Mm -hmm. You start with one little thing and the possibilities are endless and you can do as much or as little as you're comfortable doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I probably do more than most people um, cannot do because um, I, ne- I do neglect my home and my garden and my volleyball and mm. uh, sometimes my children because <laughs> of this war, but, um, and I don't recommend doing that. Mm. Um, but um, most people can, can help, one person, 10 people. Can I tell you a short story that, that stuck in my, in my mind? First time I read it was uh, maybe 10, 15 years ago. So um, it's, a, it's a fictional story uh, of a grand, grandparent, grand, grandpa and his grandson. And they're walking along the beach after a big storm uh, along the ocean beach. And the, the beach is scattered with sea stars that were thrown out of the water during this storm. And there's thousands of them. And the grandpa takes one and throws it back in the water. And then he takes another one and throws it back in the water. And the grandson says, Grandpa, why, why are you doing this? Look, there's like thousands, millions of, of them everywhere. You're not going to help all of them. And he picks up another sea star and throws it back in the water and says, I'm not going to be able to help all of them, but I just saved this one. Mm. So that's how I, uh, I try to operate myself. Because when I look at the war and the atrocities and all the um, horrors that it's bringing, it can be a little discouraging because I'm just a little one person and I, I'm a single parent. I have very limited resources, financial resources, where I can't, I can't help many people financially, but I, um, I can help one person, and then it starts to my movement and my activity starts to grow, and then all of a sudden I can proudly say I personally helped thousands of people by now, mm. and it, and you don't know where it's going to go. That's right. Where your efforts are going to go. So I want to encourage everyone who's listening. And um, if, if you have a passion in your life, if you're passionate for animals or uh, uh, 
children or protecting the trees or uh, cleaning up the oceans. You can do so much, just you. You know, mm -hmm. picking up a, a plastic bottle when you're hiking or um, teaching someone, uh, a child, uh, how to ride a bicycle if, if they don't have parents. Mm -hmm. And you don't know where it's going to take mm -hmm. take you. And um, some uh, refugees who are here in the United States that I've helped, uh, they sometimes ask me, I don't know how to, th uh, to thank you for what, what you did. And I tell them, when you are on, back on your feet financially and when you're stable and when you're in the position to help someone else, please just do that. That mm -hmm. would be the, the biggest um, thing, thing, you know, giving back to me that you could possibly do. Mm -hmm. You know, what comes to mind as you mentioned that is uh, I find it sometimes both encouraging and sad that sometimes it takes something like a gigantic war that strips away all the reasons why we don't all do more than we do or, or that it takes that to challenge us to step, you know, beyond our own comfort zones or to, uh, to get away from the, the idea that, well, I can't help everybody. Therefore I can't help anybody. Uh, it's sad and inspiring at the same time. Right. And yet I know certainly uh, for anybody in the Ukrainian community uh, globally and certainly in Ukraine, the lessons from this when this war is over when will be very interesting to see the effect that that has had positively on the connections between Ukrainians themselves and between all between them and the people all around the world who have helped them, whether they're Russian, Belarusian, American, Canadian, German, whatever the case may be. Yeah. It's inspiring. To me. Yes. And Ukraine has some homework to do uh, <laughs> when uh, we reach our victory. There and there's some housekeeping to do. Well, we're, sure. Yes, we're not, we're not perfect by far, mm -hmm. and uh, we do have a, a share, uh, a good share of criticism, mm -hmm. a fair criticism that um, we need to address before we can um, join European Union. Mm -hmm. But we are a young country that wants to be democratic and that wants to embrace. Uh, values that the West has, mm -hmm. and that's why the Russian government does not like us. Well, and of course, the great irony is the very thing that Russia has been desperate to avoid, they're making much more possible now. Yes, yes. <laughs> all, their, <laughs> all their objectives uh, <laughs> yeah. backfired. Yeah, and you know, now Sweden and Finland have, are going to join NATO, and now there's going to be, you know, Finland by itself has 830 miles of shared border with Russia. They have the biggest artillery units in all of Europe, and they have a long history of, you know, punching Russia in the nose yes. uh, when they need to. And so the very things that, that Putin has been hoping to prevent from happening in Ukraine and elsewhere in Eastern Europe, he's actually just poured gasoline on the fire that's already been there. Yes. So it's just a matter of surviving it and then having the right, protected right for Ukrainians to decide how they're going to do this for themselves in peace. Right. Okay, well, this is all, it's all great. So I want to get back to um, some of the individual things you're doing in the time that, uh, that we have left. So, you know, before we do that, let's go ahead and take our second break. And when we come back, let's talk a little bit more about some of the causes that I know that you're working on uh, that are close to your heart. And then we'll give some people um, some tips on how they can help. Okay. All right. So we'll be right back on This Show is All About You with Tanya Zeig. Stick around.
I'm Julia Cannell, Executive Director of Airway Science for Kids. We sponsor this show is all about you because it exemplifies our core values, connectivity, communication, emotional intelligence, positivity, respect, and the power of possibility. Help us introduce historically excluded youth to all of these through the wonder and promise of aviation and aerospace careers. Airway Science for Kids, providing aerospace to all. Visit airsci.org to learn more and to contribute your talents. Don't ask me to talk. Don't ask me to talk is a program about sharing something good. Hosted by me, Stacy Heller, with my co-host and my mom's favorite, Eric Ryder. Don't ask me to talk echoes what we're talking about when we aren't being so serious. We'll highlight what's good to watch, read, see, listen to, and more with a reoccurring spot with Vance Dingfelder of Dingfelder's Delicatessen called What Are We Eating? Tune in Thursdays from 3 to 4 on AM 880 KIXI. Welcome back, everyone, to This Show is All About You. I'm your host, J.D.K. Winnikin, here with Tanya Zaika, who is uh, herself Ukrainian, originally from Kiev and is part of the Ukrainian Association of Washington State and their efforts to uh, bring relief to all those in Ukraine being affected uh, by the Russian invasion. And certainly, Tanya, we could talk about this, like you said, for five more shows and probably not cover everything. But in the time that we have left today, I know we want to talk about some of some of the other individual things you're doing. You know, we talked about individuals. One person can help a whole lot. Uh, one that I'm very fascinated by that you're involved in is helping animals in Ukraine. Can you tell people about that effort? Yes, thank you for bringing it up. Um, animals have a very special place in my heart. Um, uh, animals and children, and uh, they're very, very dependent on us adults. Mm-hmm. Um, and with all the horrors that the wars bring, the animal situation in Ukraine right now is, um, if I think about it, it just breaks my heart. So there's all kinds of um, scenarios that uh, animals are facing. Um, your human went to get milk and never came home mm-hmm. and now you're stuck locked behind locked doors and nobody knows that you're there mm-hmm. so th- those animals just starve to death um there was um, occupied territories um where especially in march around kiev uh, so many stories when uh, russian troops entered towns and cities and just shot um dogs or shot Horses, or there's one stable where they would uh, they let the horses run. Or they opened the stables and read, uh, let the horses run. And um, prior to war, those horses were very well taken care of, and now they're on on their own in the middle of war action with all the explosions and stress. And it's March. There's nothing to eat, mm-hmm. and um, those horses are starving and scared. Um, so right now there's several crises in, in the animal world in Ukraine. Uh, and one of the biggest crises are those animals that were previously um, um, living within families and now they're out on the streets. Mm-hmm. So they don't know how to get food. They don't know where to find shelter. And uh, a lot of those animals are uh, injured. Uh, all of them are malnourished. Um, so I work with an amazing team there's um, Alona, who's here in the United States, and Ksenia in, uh, in Kiev. And sh- uh, m- those girls are a huge inspiration. 
they dedicated themselves to uh, welfare of um, animals in Ukraine, and they work day and night and help they they help evacuate um, animals from war zones, mm -hmm. from hot war zones. That's one mission that they're um, working on. Then um, they also help uh, shelters within um, within entire Ukraine. Uh, feed the animals they, they, they already have. And uh, speaking of one person making a difference, mm. there's so many Ukrainians who just go um, uh, on their everyday life and they see these animals uh, on the streets and they feed them. Mm. You know, one kitten saved here and another dog saved there. Mm. So uh, we are looking for, again, we need finance. Everything comes to financial help. Of course. We need money to allow... Um, Ksenia and Aliona to uh, continue with their mission of saving animals. They are um, treating them for injuries. It's medical help. It's food. Uh, big effort is sterilization mm. because uh, we do want to make sure those animals do not multiply and that we can um, stop the the progression of homeless animals. Right. And then, of course, they're looking for homes for mm. those animals. Um, I want to... Um, emphasize a separate chapter, which is horses. Horses are a lot more expensive sure. and a lot more difficult to save mm -hmm. and transport. So um, I, I would like to reach out to your listeners. If you love horses or if you have any connections to clubs or farms or um, other people who love horses, we're looking for people to sponsor one horse or half a horse or a quarter of a horse uh, or five horses in Ukraine. So uh, we estimate that it takes about $250 to sponsor one horse. Okay. And that will provide food, shelter, and medicine for uh, one horse um, for one month. So if any of your listeners have any leads for us uh, where we can turn to find financial support uh, for our horse mission in Ukraine, please reach out to me. Absolutely. And for listeners, if you want to know how to do that, uh, Tanya has been uh, graciously has agreed to share her uh, her email address with you. And that's her name, uh, Tanya, T-A-N-Y-A dot Zyka, Z-A-Y-K-A at U-A-W-S dot org. That's through the Ukrainian Association of Washington State, U-A-S dot org. So Tanya dot Zyka at U-A-W-S Org. And she can uh, point you in the right direction because there, there's a number of different groups that are yes. working on these things, yes. right? So, yes. okay. so because there's so many different projects that we all want to do, um, uh, I focus on children mm -hmm. and uh, the girls that I mentioned, Aliona and Ksenia, that's all they do is um, um, animal welfare in Ukraine. Okay. Yes. And they're operating out of Kiev? So Ksenia is in Kiev. Okay. And Aliona is here in California. In California, okay. Okay, man, two people running that. And there, uh, <laughs> if you if you reach out to me and I'll connect you with Xenia, I think you will find uh, a superhero wow. of what she does. Wow! So and they also they also take quality of um, of helping. Um, um, I, what I'm trying to say is vetting the organizations that they're helping because one of the big concerns is. We want to make sure that your money um, is spent with 100%. 100% of your dollars go to um, to help. Right. Nothing gets lost. Nothing gets stolen. Yeah. And that's a concern because like in any war, 
some people choose to get rich on oh, the yeah, more. Absolutely. And I know that's something that gets brought up quite a bit uh, in these things is how do we know, you know, as people who want to spend their money or their time, their treasures, uh, how do we know this organization will follow through on that? So, right. So, and I know that, um, that uh, the association certainly has, you know, has proof of those things. Um, and these are other organizations that can provide that as well. Correct. So, yeah, that's great. So is this, so this effort, I never really thought about it until you mentioned it about, you know, with animals, particularly pets and things like that, that this would be a calamity uh, in Ukraine. So this, it sounds like this is something that Ukrainians themselves back home are taking on an everyday basis, like maybe helping out, taking in a stray animal here or helping a stray animal there. Is this something that they're talking about in Ukraine on a national level, you know? I don't, I, I can't really comment to that um, about mm. Um, national level. I do focus on individual volunteers and follow what they do. Okay. So I know it's a, it's a movement. Mm. And there's, just like we talked about uh, people in Russia who were helping uh, Ukrainians find their way back home. Um, we have um, teams in Ukraine of people who would go through destroyed ap- apartment buildings and knock down doors or walls um, just to check that apartment to make sure there's no animal who is stuck um, in there. So um, the stories of amazing, amazing people and what they do are endless. Sure seems like it, you know, and, and the, there's this part of me that hopes that it's, it seems so trite to say it. There's a part of me that hopes everybody's writing this down, but of course people aren't writing this down. They're fighting a war. They're living through a war. They're surviving a war. They're doing this, in some cases, under fire um, and always in danger, right? Certainly in that case. So it's just uh, whether or not people remember it or not, you know, or know the specific stories, uh, it's just incredible that they're happening on that kind of scale. Yes. And it, again, comes back to our previous uh, subject of how much one person can do. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Seems a lot. And, and. Hopefully what people are getting out of this, the same thing I'm getting, uh, whatever excuses you might've had, <laughs> there aren't, there aren't any more after hearing stories like this. So, all right. In the time that we have left, uh, Tanya, let's talk about a few things that are, are coming up. Uh, certainly that maybe people, not just in the Seattle area where we are, uh, but can just be aware of, uh, so Ukrainian independence day is coming up soon. Ukrainian Independence Day is coming up, and um, Ukrainian Association of Washington State is putting together a big celebration. We did have a big celebration every year. Mm-hmm. I think we paused for COVID. Okay. But um, this year, the celebration will take place um, in uh, Renton. Okay. And if you follow our Facebook page, um, find us on Facebook under Ukrainian Association of Washington State. The event details are there, and everybody is invited. It's an amazing event. Um, what day is it on? Uh, August 27th. Okay, and that is Independence Day in Ukraine, right? I think Independence Day is August 24th, but that's a Wednesday. Okay. So we want so to make sure it's in all, on the weekend. <laughs> okay. And it's a family event. We expect between four and 6,000 people wow. to, to come and uh, enjoy music. There will be a lot of crafts. Uh, a lot of uh, amazing food. Our food is really, really good. Uh. Be sure, be sure to come hungry. Okay. 
There will be live music concerts, and we're also uh, inviting sponsors. Okay. So if you'd like to display your business, um, maybe have a tent or uh, to have your signage at the main stage, uh, also reach out to me. We have very, very affordable sponsorship uh, packages. Okay. So um, that's also, we're looking for sponsors and, of course, inviting families and everybody to come. And I wanted to mention, I forgot to mention during our march. Um, yeah. Um, or to recognize Russia as a terrorist state. Another uh, message that we're, we're sending out is a big, big gratitude and thank you to uh, United States of America because for all the help that you provided already and all the help that is still in the process because we, we couldn't fight this war without, without you. So we do uh, recognize that and we're very, very thankful for your support. Well, and I, I can't certainly can't speak for my own country in that, but what I can say is um, I have been very encouraged and very supportive of all the efforts that the government has taken to uh, support this. To me, it was an absolute no-brainer, as we call it, you know, to assist Ukraine in this in this way, um, because in every way, this is a conflict that really runs between all the things that the United States says it stands for. And all the things that it has, it says constantly, time and time again, it will come to the defense of people around the world against. Mm-hmm. And um, certainly, you, you talked about Ukraine not being perfect. Um, this country is not, you know, by any stretch. And yet, um, that does not preclude the, you know, our country from having the right or the responsibility to step up for those people who are being run over by their neighbors. Yes. Um, and so, for me. It was always very clear what needed to be done, what continues to need to be done in all of this. Uh, what's encouraging for me hearing you talk um, are all the different avenues that are available for people, whether they're Ukrainian, American, or whoever, to help out in very real fundamental ways that save lives. And it's not just about the troops fighting, as important as that is, but saving lives inside Ukraine of people who are suffering, like you mentioned last week, People don't have any running water in their city. It's a city of a million people. There's no running water. Or, you know, you mentioned pets and animals that need help. People who, you know, the elderly who need, who need someone to check up on them. (laughs) You know, just some of the basics that we all take for granted. I am so encouraged that there are so many different ways to help. It's just a matter of finding the one, the thing you care about, the way to help, the safe way to do it to make sure the money's getting where it needs to go and all of those things. To me, that's, that's what's most impressive. And as, as I've always said on this show, I think the United States is at its best when it's focused on helping people like that. It helps us stand up for the things that we say we believe in. Yes, and we do not, we do not take it for granted. So Clearly not. Separate, separate thank you <laughs> to... My second country. I, 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 I'm very lucky that I'm. Uh, both of my countries are the best countries in the world. <laughs> so. That's a good thing. Uh, one last thing. I know you wanted to mention there's a, a really quickly a fashion show coming up in September here in Seattle as part of Metropolitan Fashion Week. There is a fashion show. What's that about? So Metropolitan, uh, Metropolitan Fashion Week is an annual event that's been happening for, uh, I don't remember, don't remember how long, over 10 years for sure. And um, this year they invited um, Ukrainian uh, volunteers, um, young ladies 
who just like me decided to uh, uh, do fundraising from the beginning of the war and their focus was on evacuating people from hot war zones mm -hmm. and feeding people okay and to feed one person is uh, about 50 cents mm. so um, it's very affordable and when it comes to again what you can do if you have 50 cents to donate you can feed one person one time so they are uh, going to be a part of the uh, metropolitan fashion week this uh, this year and it's taking place on september 24th usually it's in bellevue i haven't checked where it is this year most likely in bellevue but if you google metropolitan fashion show seattle um, you'll see all the details and what you will see there is all the fashionable designers, all the Chanel's and Gucci's, <laughs> but there will be a separate segment dedicated to Ukraine, and you will see beautiful, amazing, authentic, authentic Ukrainian costumes. Beautiful. Yes, we beautiful. have a girl from Belarus who uh, her hobby is to collect costumes from Belarus, and they will be displayed at the show. Fabulous. All right, and uh, for listeners of this show, I will be giving regular updates uh, in later episodes on uh, what the Ukrainian Association of Washington State, Tanya and others, are working on, what needs they might have, uh, just as a way for all of us to continue to be involved uh, in helping out um, our fellow human beings over in Ukraine. So, Tanya, thank you so much for being here. Really appreciate it very thank much. Thank you for having me. All right. Best of luck with everything you're doing. And thanks to all of you for listening to this episode of This Show is All About You. You can check out uh, my website, wordsbyjdk.com. You can also find me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter and uh, connect with me there, and I could be happy to answer any other questions that you have. Uh, you can pick this up as a podcast at Podcast One, Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, thank yous. Uh, this show is all about yous, produced and distributed by Hubbard Radio Seattle. Eric Ryder is the in-studio producer, editor, and mix master. The show is made possible by the generous sponsorship of Airway Science for Kids. You can check them out at airside.org. The original theme music is by Dave Nelson of Lens Group Media. Special thanks for contributing to this episode and all that went well for me this week has to go to Tanya Zyka, Julia Cannell, Tony and Dave Santabria, Mark and Yolanda Frazier, Bruce Bullard, Stacey Heller, Adelina Popescu, Seth Moorman, Phil McCoy, Ann Foster, Ken Winnikin, Katie Beck, and Eric Crema. And finally, as a way to send you off for the rest of your week, I'll end with this original haiku. What one person does ripples out beyond the reach of what we can see. Chins up, everyone. <laughs>